Tonight, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 2. In our study so far, we've learned about the gospel of Jesus Christ, what the content of it is. It refers to the historical events, the facts of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we've transitioned um, from verses 3, 4, and 5 backward to verses 1 and 2, uh, beginning of 3, where we've been discerning what is the use of the gospel. How do we use it? Um, and the gospel is something that's communicated. One person proclaims it, and another person believes it. And tonight, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, as we consider this, let's consider the end of verse 2, where we find a worthless faith. A worthless faith. Let's say that during COVID-19, you make the decision to teach your kids how to make cookies. Of course, this kind of activity is one of the things we do as a tool to help our kids uh, know how to be independent and do something on their own. So you help them by setting out the flour, the salt, the sugar, the baking soda, the vanilla, and those things, and you leave them with the recipe. You may even read the recipe to them. Uh, before you go, you preheat the oven with them, and then once everything is there, the bowl is there, all the ingredients are there, you say, now go, do it. And then you go do something and you come back and you figure out, well, how did it go? And very quickly you realize there's a problem because the recipe called for a cup of sugar, not a cup of salt. And cookies made with a cup of salt are worthless cookies. They're just bad. And they don't do the job at all. And just like cookies that are mismade, if you jumble the details of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it becomes worthless. And that's one of the points that Paul is making in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul had preached the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles in Corinth. That's recorded for us in Acts chapter 18. And he had preached, as it says in verses 3, 4, and 5, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third dead in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared. And that's the gospel that must be received, that must be believed. Yet there was some problem in Corinth. And likewise, there can be a problem all around the globe when it comes to jumbling the details of the gospel. Because it's possible to jumble the details, and what you get when you jumble those details is a worthless faith. Look at the end of verse 2. Actually, I might as well read verses 1 and 2. So let me begin with chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed in in vain. And to believe in vain is to set your hope on a shaky foundation that is not going to hold. As we learned so many years ago and sang the song, it's like building on the sand instead of on the rock. When you build on the sand, the rains come down, the floods come up, and there's disaster. You say, well, what was their jumbled up issue? What detail about the gospel were they getting wrong? Look down in chapter 15 at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, look down at verse 12. Here it is. Now, 
If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, remember that's Paul, that's how he proclaimed it, how can some of you say, there's the issue, and here's the statement of the issue, that there is no resurrection of the dead. Keep reading to verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. You recall the fact that part of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if you would deny the resurrection, that there is a resurrection, then you have tweaked, you've changed the gospel. And when that takes place, it makes the faith in that gospel worthless. So what we need to realize first is there is such a thing as a worthless faith. And we have to be called to not deviate from the true gospel. As an aside, it has often been the case among Christians who have known the Lord for a while that they look at their faith and they wonder about it and they wonder if it is a saving faith. And there's a couple ways to, uh, to approach this. You can approach it from one side and say, maybe the faith is something that is simply on your lips, but it's not in your heart. And you say, well, why would someone say something on their lips and not believe it in their heart? Well, they might say it because, well, that's what mom and dad want me to say. So their faith was simply a submission to an authority. Or their faith was just so they would fit in with their friends. Their faith was kind of a camouflage. They didn't believe it in their heart, but instead they said it with their mouth just because they wanted to submit to mom and dad or fit in with their friends. But obviously that kind of faith is a worthless faith because its focus is not on the gospel. It's on other things. It's on mom and dad. It's on friends. But what we find in 1 Corinthians 15 is actually the faith is in the gospel but the gospel has been modified. Perhaps we would say it's, it's been reasoned through. It's been enlightened. My two points tonight are these. The first, the worthless, a worthless gospel is one without the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul brings up again and again. He said how the gospel includes the bodily resurrection of Christ. But people are distorting it in some way. There's some question about it, so he addresses it. Look down at verse 15, or 14. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. It says this. And if Christ is not raised, there's the detail of the gospel. If Christ is not raised, the first thing it says, our preaching is in vain. Remember the gospel has two parts when it comes to its use. It's communicated so one person is preaching it, the other person is receiving it. So the first thing that Paul talks about is the fact that what he is doing as an apostle would be just doing worthless things. His whole ministry, which brought him to <clears throat> great persecution, uh, which brought him you know, great cost in, in, in his life and what he did, all of that was worthless if Christ is not raised. So it's a very significant point. The bodily resurrection of Christ is a very significant point. If you're going to have legitimate preaching. <clears throat> to apply this, if a preacher does not believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, his preaching is in vain. 
And just so you know, that is a normal, uh, a normal thing in today's pulpits. So just across town, I believe, it would be widely held among liberal schools that because they do not believe in the supernatural, clearly Jesus did not rise from the dead. So instead of some kind of bodily resurrection, the resurrection that's discussed, instead of a bodily resurrection, instead of some kind of spiritual resurrection, it's, it's like Christ is risen in our hearts. We remember him and therefore he's risen from the dead because he still lives in our hearts, that kind of thing. But as far as him being bodily alive, that's not true. Because science can't prove that. And people would rather have a faith that is reasonable than a faith in the supernatural. So there are many, many pulpits that preach the resurrection, but they define it differently. They do not preach <clears throat> that Christ is truly bodily raised from the dead. But if it were true, if it were true that Christ was not raised, what Paul was doing would be a worthless thing to preach the gospel. There's another thing that comes up, and this has to do with the other side of the communication. Look at verse 14. It says, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. <clears throat> the people heard the word, they received the word, they stand in the word, they believe the word. And it says that their believing that gospel is worthless. Is worthless. And when you think through that, you come to the conclusion very quickly, just the idea of we have the hope that Christ will save us from our sins. Our sin is what brings about our death. And if, if Christ is not dealt with our problem, then, then, we, then we will die in our sins. And, and if on the other side of things there's no resurrection from the dead, then, then what hope is there for eternity? And if Christ is not alive, why do we need to submit to him as if he is a being and a master and a sovereign that deserved us to submit to him? Indeed, someone that is not eternal would not be worthy of us to submit to him. So our faith becomes worthless if we believe jumbled up facts like Christ is not raised. It is absolutely essential that Christ is raised from the dead if our faith is going to have stuff to it. So first, the worth, a worthless gospel is one without the bodily resurrection of Christ. Second, a worthless gospel is one that does not solve our greatest problem of sin. Look at verse 17. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So there's a repetition there talking about faith. It's futile. It's, it's not productive. It's, it's, um, it's like something that just goes down the drain. It's not going forward. It's not providing life. It's futile. It comes to an end, and that's it. Believing that kind of gospel, that Christ is not raised, is something futile. But going beyond, Paul makes this point. Believing in such a gospel hasn't saved you from your sin. If you don't believe that Christ is raised, you're still in your sin. Christ died for our sin, but if we don't believe he is raised, we're still in our sin. And that means that 
before a holy God, we don't have an answer. We don't have a mediator because Christ is dead and he hasn't risen. So we don't have a mediator go between us and God. So that destroys everything. And we are left in the worst condition before God because of our sin. So our hope, our faith, our confidence, preaching, all of that rests on a detail that Christ has risen from the dead. Just by way of reminder then, sin, the sin that we'd be left in if we don't believe in the resurrection, sin is falling short of God's glory. And in trying to explain this to other people, yes, sin is the transgression of the law, but Romans 3.23 also tells us that sin is falling short of God's glory. We were created for God's glory. That's what Isaiah 43.7 says. But since the fall, mankind has not been interested or active in glorifying man's maker. And that's part of a way that we can explain it to our own hearts, and we can explain it to our kids, and we can explain it to our neighbors. Have you been actively glorifying God with your life because he made you for that purpose? If you could care less about God, then you clearly are not giving him glory that, he, that is due to him. You're falling short of what he expects. And that kind of sin is the sin that God punishes with death, Romans 6.23. And if you believe other folks, or as Paul says to the Corinthians, if you believe this truth about Jesus Christ, you really don't have to be specific about things in the gospel. If you believe that kind of thing, if you believe a jumbled gospel, which is the modern faith, then it does nothing for you. At times, you hear people talking about faith. You hear them talking about some good things. But then you hear them talk in a way that shows they don't believe in the bodily resurrection. You hear them talk in a way that says they don't really believe in sin. And when you take away these core things, you strip the very basic content of the gospel. You strip it of its essential parts or you flip-flop things. Um, and Paul just wants to make it abundantly clear, when you do that, it is a worthless faith, which is to say the faith of millions and billions of people is getting them nowhere. And that it's sad. But when we, uh, when we assure our hearts, when we talk to our kids, when we talk to our neighbors, we have to get these details of the gospel right. In particular, the bodily resurrection. But as well, we would also find his death for our sins. Um, it's, it's through that that we have salvation and many spiritual blessings that Ephesians has taught us as we've gone through Bible study. But without the bodily resurrection, none of those things are true. So Paul in this passage, it's not exactly that he is doubting the Corinthians as a whole, that they've just run away from the gospel that he preached to them. It seems in verses 1 through 11 that he's trying to reestablish common ground that they had, but also warn them not to deviate from this because of how essential it is. So by extension then, I warn all of you, we warn ourselves, we warn our kids, there is such a thing as a worthless faith. And it's when we get wishy-washy, when we get jumbled about the plain details of the gospel. If you flip the sugar and the salt in a recipe, you will hate those cookies. 
won't be any good. And if you mess up the gospel that has been laid out, then it won't do you any good. So let's just let's just take the warning and just realize how careful we have to be about the details of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, help us as we consider these things to trust you and what you've said. By your grace, we do believe that Christ rose from the dead and that he was seen. And even though we have not seen someone ourselves die and rise again, there were people who did see Christ die and rise again. So, Father, we are thankful that there is a witness of this miracle. And, Father, we are thankful for it. And we are thankful that you have given us the faith to believe what you've said, despite the fact that we can't see it. And, Father, we pray as our years go on and we come closer and closer to the time that we get to be with you, that you will solidify in our hearts more and more our resting in you for the forgiveness of our sins, for the hope of eternal life. And, uh, Father, thank you for that. We pray that we'll be a light to our community uh, with this glorious gospel. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.